Good evening, Fight fans. Once again, we're here with Get the KO. I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, and as always, is my co-host, Anthony Lujan, but you can call me Lou, and I know we don't do this very often, but we don't start to show off without a bang, and I am posting out because I support local bands here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I have a local band. Uh, my friend slash coworker Jade, she uh, invited me out on uh, last Friday and or last Thursday night, and I mean, watch this band. They're called Trexler, and uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the lead guitarists there, his name's Arthur Trexler. They will be playing in Lincoln Friday, September 22nd, from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. No cover at the 501 Bar here in Lincoln. Come check them out. Shout out, man. You know, we're always big about supporting local talent, whether that's in the MMA world or even in the music world, even in the movies. We don't really care. We just want to support all those people out there just like we do in, you know, just like we do here in Maryland. And we just give a big shout out to everybody. We just want to show our love. So with that being said, man, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Here we go with UFC 215. Um, We're going to talk about a couple of the big fights, but then we want to talk about a couple of the, uh, you know, undercard fights that are prelim fights. Uh, one of them that really kind of shocked me was the Saris Morass fight, uh, you know, defeating Ashley Ashley Evan Smith. This was a fight that I was looking forward to. Ashley Evan Smith definitely had the advantage at first. Uh, she was definitely doing a great job, and then all of a sudden, uh, Sarah Morris, man, she snuck in, uh, snuck in the arm bar, and then uh, she, you know, she wrote it out. And next thing you know, it was Ashley got caught in a funny situation, had to tap out. It was it was a pretty, uh, pretty smooth moves by her. What you got, yep, Anthony? Definitely. That was a definitely an exciting fight. Uh, it did it didn't last long, and it just came out. And just looking at their stats on there, I mean, both females hit five at five. One was five out of nine. The other was five out of eleven. And you cinched that in, and it was over pretty quick. It was like they they ended that fight at two sixteen in that first round. Yeah, no, you're right, man. They um, it it did it ended quick. You know, it was uh, it was definitely kind of a shocking defeat. You know, another big matchup that was kind of a big shocking defeat too was uh, Sarah McMahon getting beat by Ketlin and at her own favorite chokehold, which you know, she got locked up in the submission. Uh, she got locked in the submission. She got tapped out in the second round. Sarah McMahon went down with a, she got uh, arm triangle choked. And the the one thing that was kind of funny about this situation was the fact that uh, Ketlin never really gotten good position. She's gotten good enough side position to get the triangle choke and lock it in and uh you know, and end that night. Yep, definitely. I mean you if you look at even look at their total strikes and uh, significant strikes, you have uh Sarah McMahon who's who uh who connected on thirty six of her sixty seven for fifty three percent and then uh uh total strikes for a Ketlin was thirty five of forty five for uh seventy seven percent. Significant strikes. Caitlin had 29 of 58 for 50 percent, and Caitlin uh, uh, had uh, 17 of 21 for 80 percent. Yeah, so it was a definitely good all-around fight, man. Especially when we saw the takedown percentages, you know. And it, Sarah McMahon, she did a great job. And for her being a silver medalist, uh, you know, a silver Olympic medalist, it's it's definitely kind of uh, staggering to see when. You watch another woman wrestler going against someone who maybe is just like a good all-around person, and they're able to kind of stop your game. And 
you know, uh, Sarah's been getting better. You know, she did move her, her, her camp over to Team Alpha Male, and she's, you know, she's improving. But it's just kind of sad to see that, you know, her two favorite, her favorite submission move got used against her, and she couldn't find a way out. And uh, that, you know, that's what happens when you're, you know, you're kind of deep in your own game, and then you're trying to transition into learning a new one. So, you know, uh, best of luck to Sarah, you know, moving on into the future. You know, it was funny because I watched her when she fought against Ronda Rousey for the championship, and Ronda, like, was able to defeat her using, you know, pretty much her own techniques against her. So it's crazy to see Sarah McMahon, you know, it's kind of up and downs, but I'm hoping that she gets back on a good side and we'll start seeing her catch more wins. Definitely, man. Uh, hopefully she can get her going and she can get a couple more wins, get her uh, her UFC stock a little bit higher, and maybe we'll get her into the main card eventually. So let's talk about this fight, man. And, and you already know the fight we're going to talk about. It's the first fight of the night. Um, it's it's the, uh, we, what are we going to call this, man? We we got to change El Nino's nickname. He can't be the El Nino anymore because El Nino would constitute something that would have to end. And we watched Gilbert Melendez, you know, get his leg destroyed. And uh, he kept fighting, man. He kept pushing through. He kept making it known that he wasn't going to back down. And even if he had... You know, he took a leg kick. He went down to his back. He was ready to get into uh, grapple position, but then the ref would stand him back up. And we got to give it to Gilbert Melendez, man. You know, he took a whole buttload of shots to the legs and was just being damaged and damaged repeatedly. And then eventually he had to switch to a southpaw stance. He kept getting damaged and damaged and damaged. And, you know, he, he only could do so much. But I don't know what the final result was of his leg injury, but it was it looked pretty significant. I mean, we saw the big... The big puff of uh, I don't even want you to call it fluid, like on top of his shin. So we don't know if there was a break or if there was some torn ligaments or something happened inside that leg. But it was definitely brutal. Yep, definitely. Uh, Gilbert Melendez is one tough dude. It looked like it was broke. I mean, he would wobble on it and it would bow in and out, and it was it was nasty. I I have a strong stomach, and that was one of those. One of those uh, scenes that I just, it kind of made my stomach turn. Um, give it up to Jeremy Stevens, too. Little heathen uh, put on a clinic. I believe at one point he was 22 of 22 for uh, on leg kicks, and I think it was the same leg he kept on kicking over and over. Um, trying to look it up right now for you, and uh, I'm not seeing any kind of uh, any kind of uh, news outside of what happened that night, last night. Uh, there's no real news on what Gilbert Melendez is uh, leg is right now. So I'm sure we'll probably hear more about it, like towards like I don't know, back half of the back half of the week, or you know, probably like a, a Thursday, Friday situation where we'll hear about something that happened with Gil- Gilbert, and they'll they'll announce it, you know, because the suspensions will be coming out here in the next couple of days, and we can look forward to seeing what happened then, and just wish Gilbert the the, the quickest recovery, because you know, being at that weight class though, man, he looked really good though, you know, for someone that just. You know, he came off of the 150, was he a 155-er or 145-er? And he, you know, he came into the next weight class. He said that, you know, he dropped, I don't know, he dropped into a new weight class. And he said he started eating more healthy and, you know, just working out and just eating right. Just he dropped the weight naturally. So it definitely be something to see if, uh, you know, he stays in that weight class because he did look really, really good in that weight class. Yeah, definitely. Even after he, uh, even, even after he got hurt, um, after his leg, like, he would switch to southpaw, and then he'd go back to traditional stance and hit him and then go right back to, to southpaw. I mean, 
it, I don't know if it had been a if it had been a different fight, if that leg injury wouldn't have happened. But uh, hands down, to, and I my hats off to Gilbert Gilbert Melendez on that. Yeah, no doubt, man. So let's hope for the speed, like the fat, quickest recovery we can see, and hopefully we see Jeremy Stevens like here in like January, or February with another fight planned up because he looked like you said he looked really good. So let's move on, man. We got the Latifi versus Pedro, man, and you know we got to give it to Pedro. You know, uh, it was a close fight. They gave it to Latifi at the end, but I have to be honest, man. I kind of went the other way, and I thought Pedro won the fight. And there's something to be said about Latifi being able to defend backwards, and even if he had the four takedowns, um, overall, man, I just thought Pedro did a good job of holding down the ring. But it just, it is what it is, man. We just, we watched Latifi, you know, his wrestling really show, showed against the um, against the Polynesian. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I, 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 I actually, I had, I, I Lear winning the fight. Uh, he outstruck him. He outstruck him 59, 59 to 44 total strikes, 44 to 31 significant strikes, four or five for takedowns. I mean, he looked good. I mean, and, and Tyson Pedro is, is, is no, uh, no slouch. He definitely, when he connected with uh, his kicks or even punches, they left marks. I mean, Ailir's face was uh, red after, at the end of that fight. Yeah, no, you're right, man. He was, uh, he, he especially right underneath that eye, man, he got bloodied up pretty good. Pedro did too, like right towards the end of the fight, but, you know, that sec- first and second rounds where Latifi really just kind of took it to the face and just wasn't really battling back and then finally started shooting the takedowns and getting them and scoring with them. So, you know, shout out to Latifi for being able to change his game plan midway and uh and, and eventually getting the win and dominating that fight. If we move up one more fight, man, we're gonna have Henry and we got uh Wilson Race. You know, uh Quato, like God man, Quato just unstoppable. <laughs> I guess that's all I can really call it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, Suhedo, uh Henry Suhedo is one quick dude, like uh, unbelievably fast. I, I did not see a lot of those punches being thrown, and he was connecting. He looked good. His wrestling looked good. Wilson Reese didn't have a chance from the beginning of the fight. Looking at the total strikes on that, that was 39 to 5 and 34 to 5. I mean, Henry just looked real good and got that KO in the performance of the night. He did call that out. And and said that he thinks that was a worst fifty G performance. You know what's funny, man, is that there's something to be said that Cueto landed more punches than Wilson threw, and then he had two for two for his takedowns at 100 percent, which just goes to tell you that Henry was in shape. He was ready for this fight. He knew everything that he was, that Wilson was going to throw, able to counter. Yeah, sure, Wilson landed five shots on him, but that's nothing compared to what what Cueto was able to do. So hopefully, when we move. Uh, we move forward with the next couple fights that might be coming up. Maybe in December we catch Cueto on the um, on the McGregor fight card if if McGregor is the person to be in the December fights. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully we get to see him get up there and try to get a, a title fight. So then we're gonna have to go to the co-main event fight, which originally this was supposed to be the third fight on the fight card, where Neil Magby versus Rafael dos Anjos. So let's give it up, man. Rafael Dos Anjos coming back after a couple losses and a couple, you know, heartbreak fights. Comes out strong, man. And look at him, like, just taking it to Neil Magby, who outreached him and was taller than him. And yet, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos was able to close the gap, make that distance worthless, make the height worthless, take him to the ground and get the submission for the night. Uh, it was a performance of the night victory. 
And, you know, he was 17 of 21, 16 of, 13 of 16 for significant strikes, no takedowns, just one submission attempt, got the win, man. So that's pretty much what was all that needed to be done. And Neil Bagby just, he never looked like he was ready to come out of the gate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they came out and uh, uh, he threw a couple, uh, Neil Magny threw a couple out there, but then uh, RDA uh, with that leg take sweep and it put him down and, yeah, when he got full mount, he knew that it it was gonna uh, it was it was pretty much lights out right after he got full mount. He got him uh, his arm trapped and put him in an arm triangle, and uh, eventually uh, Neil Magny had to tap out. He had to tap out. There was nothing for him, man. It was either you tap out or you were gonna go to sleep. And I think Neil Magny knew that. And to see that Neil Magny kind of looked outclassed a little bit, man. That's just it. Just speaks volumes to how good Dos Anjos is. And it, or um, how good RDA is. It's just funny to see that RDA is, um, I don't know, he's, he's a banger, man. And he's always been that way. He's always been able to knock people out. But, you know, uh, Joe Rogan talked about it on the UFC where, you know, that Dosanya's like almost killed himself twice trying to get down in a weight class. And, you know, he, he needed to move up. And once he moved up, man, he became a powerhouse, which kind of reminds me a lot of, um, you know, Anthony Rumble Johnson, who used to cut down to 170 after weighing, like, 225, he would have trouble making the weight. And even when he made the weight, like, he wasn't really there. He was just in a lot of pain. So, you know, and then once once Anthony Rumble came back as a as a 205-er, like, he was hurting people's feelings. And I think that's what we're going to start seeing with uh, Dos Anjos, at least for a little bit. You know, he's going to be hurting people's feelings. He's not going to have to cut as much. He can make his own well aware. And he's going to beat people up with it. So... Let's uh let's let's hope he continues the victories and keeps him moving on. Then we gotta talk about yep, this definitely. this controversial fight. Go ahead, oh, man. Yeah. Yes, this controversial fight. Um Valentina Shevchenko versus Amanda Nunez and the champ prevails on a split decision win. It was a fight that I thought Valentina took. Even the stats show it. I mean in that fifth round, Amanda got that takedown when uh, she got behind her after uh, Valentina tried to put her in a headlock and tried to judo throw her. And uh, that, that pretty much sealed the victory for Amanda. I mean, even if even when uh, Valentina was on the ground and Amanda was on top of her, Valentina was throwing, throwing and hitting her, uh, and, and Amanda was just trying to get there and hold the clinch. And it, it, was, it was a close fight. It was – I had I – had I had it three one going into the fifth, and evidently the judges had it a different way. You know what I find interesting though about this fight card though is that if you go to the UFC dot com page and you look at the results of the fight, right? You look at the other people who won it, who won by decision, and we can go down start from the beginning, right? Where uh, Louis Hernique versus uh, Buhar, you see uh, Dave Robert and Dave were judges. You look up one more. You see uh, Gavin Tucker versus Rick Glenn, which, by the way, that was a good fight, too. That was an amazing fight, and Rick Glenn came out and just beat up on Gavin Tucker. And Tucker, just he he never, for being a prospect or someone that, who was going to tear up the UFC, man, Rick Glenn came in and did work. But even at that fight, you see Sean, Sal, and Dave. You move up a little bit more, you'll see Dave, Thomas, and David over with the Jeremy Stevens gilbert Melendez fight. If you look up more, so Latifi versus Pedro, Sal, Jody, and Tony, you look up, and you finish off with Amanda Nunes versus Valentina Shevchenko. It's unknown judges. So you mean to tell me that the UFC had no idea who was judging the fight while the fight was going on? 
Like, that's beyond preposterous. Like, something is definitely set up there, and something's not looking good. Amanda Nunes, she scored the last two takedowns, and I think that's what they gave her was uh, the failed hip toss by Shoshenko, and then they gave her the takedown. Like, as Shoshenko was starting to get up to her feet, uh, Nunes was able to pick her up and put her back down on the mat. I think they gave her another takedown for that. So, really, I'm going to say that she was one for three in her takedown attempts. But I definitely had that three rounds uh, three rounds to one going into the fifth round with Nunes winning that fifth round. But uh, it's, it's definitely a lot of controversy. I felt like Shoshenko controlled the fight a lot a lot better. And what I, I, I mentioned this on the blog earlier today where the one cool thing about this fight was is that we, went, we, we witnessed experts in both fields, right? So Amanda Nunes being an expert in the boxing field, Shoshenko being a, uh, a kickboxer slash Muay Thai artist, and nobody... Nobody was better than the other person in the other person's element. So, you know, Nunes was trying to get in, Shoshenko was keeping her out. Shoshenko would try to go in, and Nunes was keeping her out. So it was like, you know, once Shoshenko wanted to use her hands, she would miss a couple punches, Nunes would connect. Shoshenko would try, uh, Nunes would try to keep a range game, Shoshenko was landing big kicks. So kind of, it's kind of funny to see how both experts were working out. But it definitely a lot more controversy, especially if you have someone who's throwing almost 20 more or landing 20 more strikes than the champ. You should definitely reconsider like how you scored that match. And even if you wanted to say that, well, Amanda was doing great in the defensive side, her face got busted open pretty good, and that's clearly not a, a true statement. Yeah, definitely, and I, I I agree with Valentina. Like like kind of like what you said was is look at the, her face compared to Amanda's face and. You could tell who got hit in the face and who didn't. And uh, I, I, like you said, I, um, something's fishy up with this unknown judges, and uh, hopefully something will happen, and hopefully we'll get those two for for a third time. Yeah, it'd definitely be interesting to see that fight happen again. Hopefully we'll get that next year. You know, we're talking probably the March, March April time frame, give these girls a little time to heal and then get back into it and slug and bang. Um, another another um Another well that that would end UFC 215. But what what made this this fight card so interesting was all the controversy that came about it. Right. So we know Junior Dos Santos was supposed to fight on his fight card. He got busted for PEDs, and that was it. He got pulled off the fight card, so there was no heavyweight matchup. We know that um, you know uh, Demetrius Johnson was supposed to fight Ray Borg on this fight, but Ray Borg pulled out because of a virus, which ultimately made Amanda Nunes have to be the headliner of this fight, and Dana didn't want her to be the headliner of the fight. You know, because, you know, he had said, you know, if she's going to pull out of one fight, I don't need her in another fight and wanted to pull out of that fight. So it was definitely very interesting to see that she um, she was a headline fight, but it was definitely more kind of a, a slap in the face to Demetrius Johnson that, you know, we're not even going to know when he's going to get his next title fight. So he was supposed to be the headliner. Borg pulled out the day, uh, you know, two days before. Couldn't find a replacement for Demetrius Johnson. Whether they looked or not, it doesn't really matter. Um but hopefully 217, we're going to see Demetrius Johnson on that fight card, whether it's Ray Borg or not. And that way, in that fight card, let's say Demetrius Johnson wins and TJ Dillashaw wins. Now you can say, hey, TJ Dillashaw, do you want to fight? Do you want to fight uh, DJ? He's down here now. He's fought at the same time you fought. Now we can get you guys on the next fight card. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so coming out of that with the Ray Borg and uh, Demetrius Johnson, I. Uh, this morning, today, uh, uh, while, I, while I was doing my National Guard thing, I was looking up videos, and uh, it came out that uh, DJ, uh, Demetrius Johnson, said that uh, 
that he wasn't going to take a, another fight on two days' notice. And they are going to try to bang on uh, the 7th of October, that that Tony Ferguson-Lee uh, uh, fight card. I think they're going to try to get that to there. But uh, Demetrius Johnson said that if that doesn't happen on October 7th, he will be done for the year. No, that's crazy. Because, I mean, if you tell DJ, like, hey, we're going to put you on the, on the 217 card, big pay-per-view points, especially for you in Madison Square Garden, I think he takes the fight. You know, I don't think he doesn't say, no, nah, I'm not going to fight at UFC 216. Or if I don't fight at 216, I'm done for the year. No, nah, I think he takes the fight for 217. I mean, you, yeah. you you don't even have to throw a whole lot of money at him. You just tell him, like, look, man, you can end up commanding your next your next opponent if that's what you want to do. But 217 definitely should be where he considers, like, hey, I need, I need this because it puts my name on a bigger stage and it gives me a bigger brand out here on 217, especially in Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's a huge fight. You don't want to turn down that fight. The the reason the reason he said the reason that he said he'd be done for the year if he don't get that uh October seventh fight is because when you train for eight weeks straight at an eight week fight camp and uh and 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 stuff happens where a few days before the fight something pulls out, you can uh, get back into the gym and take the fight a couple weeks later and that'd be fine. But if you have to push back and do another eight week uh training camp per se, he that's where injuries happen, and that's what happened with him. He did tear his ACL after two straight, uh, uh, straight eight-week uh, uh, training camps, and that's where he tore his ACL at. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand, like, his point of view and in that sense, you know, after after the explanation, but I still think you tell him, well, then fine, take, take a couple weeks off, start training again for the eight-week camp, and then get into it and slug and bang. I just think that that... I think the 217 fight, same Madison Square Garden, I think it's just too big of a fight to say, nah, I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, New York City, some big names there that are going to be fighting on that card, and I, you, would, I think you would think that he would want to get on that card with them. Exactly. So let's move up, man. we got the UFC Fight Night card coming up. Uh, this is going to be the Luke Rockhold versus um, uh, David Branch. This is uh, September 16th. This one's going to be out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so just up the road from where I'm at. And uh, some pretty big names on this fight card, man. We have Uriah Hall, Anthony Hamilton. Uh, Tony Martin's going to be on this fight card. Uh, Dimitri Sosovsky. Um, then, you know, we also have uh, Gregory uh, Gillespie, Jason Gonzalez, Hector Lombardo, Mike Perry, Tiago Alvarez. Uh, then of course David Branch and Luke Rockhold holding down this fight card, man. So it's definitely got some good sluggers and good bangers in this in this uh, fight card, man. How are you feeling about it? Uh, it's going to be interesting. Starting starting with that uh, that that first that first that that main event fight, you got David Branch who is uh, who uh, just got done fighting uh, uh, Christoph Jotko after six years absence from the UFC, which he. Uh, but he was still active. He was fighting in the World Series of Fighting, and he's won 11 in a row. His last loss was actually to Anthony Rumble Johnson in May of 2012. And then you got Luke Rockhold, who uh, who hasn't fought since he lost his title to Michael Bisbing. And uh, before that, he he had five wins in a row, beating people like uh, Leota Machida, Chris Weidman, uh, Tim Bosch, and he even beat Michael Bisbing the first time. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what's going to happen. I. Rockhold's fifteen and three. 
uh, David Branch is 21-3. That's going to be a really good fight. I think that uh, David Branch is going to pressure him, and I don't think Luke's going to like it. No, definitely, I don't think so either, man. I think David Branch comes out with this comes out with this victory. He's definitely a force to be reckoned with, and even when when Anthony Hamilton or Anthony Rumble uh, Johnson uh, knocked out David Branch, you know that was Titan FC, man. That was Branch. He was young in that career, young in this fight. So it's definitely, um, oh, that was by unanimous decision. Um, but you know, it, you know, a lot of things went on in that fight where, um, you know, it was a catchweight fight at 195. Anthony Rumble Johnson came down a little bit, you know, and uh, Branch moved up. They fought. They not, you know, they they been slugged and banged. And Diego is, uh, you know, David is a, is a tough a uh, tough opponent, man. So definitely gonna have to look forward to seeing David. Hopefully David can get this win. And if not, man, hopefully we get to see Luke Rockhold get back on the winning streak. Uh, which you're right, man. He did beat Michael Bisbee, but the one thing that Bisbee pointed out was that every time that Luke Rockhold throws his jab, his lead jab, his hand dips, and when his hand dipped, that's yep. when he got that's when he got countered and eventually got knocked out. So uh, one of the other big fights I'm looking forward to here is Mike Perry versus Thiago Alvarez. I'm a huge Alvarez fan. I've always been a fan of the Pitbull since uh, you know since I watched him fight against uh, GSP uh, for the title, and you know he's he's kind of had some ups and downs since then, man, but. He's definitely been it's it's definitely fun to watch him do his thing. You know, he got beat by Joe Fitch. He's been beat by Rick Horror Story, Martin Campman, College Conduct, Jim Miller, but he does have some big wins over like Patrick Cote, Jim Howard, Josh Koscheck, Matt Hughes. You know, he um he uh I remember when he fought Matt Hughes, he I forget no, he tore his AC, he tore Matt uh Matt Hughes ACL with a kick. So it was definitely a a, a nasty move. Uh, Chris Lytle, you know, he's beaten some pretty big names in, uh, overall. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the pit bull when he gets back into the ring. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Mike Perry, Mike Perry, again, I, I, I'll use this word. He's no slouch. He's a three and one in the UFC. His last win, he beat, he knocked out a Jake Ellenberger. Overall, he's 10 and one. That dude, the dude, the dude's crappy too. And it's going to be a good fight. I think that's one of, that's one of those fights that, that might be a, a fight of the night. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember that fight, man, because it, it really hurt my heart a little bit to see uh, Mike Perry win that fight. But Mike Perry definitely threw out that short elbow in the second round, hit hit Jake pretty solid, and put Jake out for the night, man. So it was definitely a a good fight, good fight to see. I know, I remember if I remember right, I think Mike came out pretty slow in that fight, and Diego Alvarez likes to start off fast. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that fight and to see how Mike Perry adjusts. Uh, another big name that's going to stand out is one of uh, Anthony's favorite fighters, Uriah Hall, man. How you feeling about his chances up with uh, Christoph Jacoto? Um, actually, I have not seen that fight. I did not know that he was going to fight. Who is he going to be fighting? He's fighting uh, 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 Jocko. Yep. yep, Christoph Jocko. I see it now. There you go. I did not see that. Now I'm on the fight card, and uh, Uriah Hall did. I hope I'm a big fan of him. He he is uh he was one of my favorite fighters coming out of Ultimate Fighter and he got second place. He did get he did get beat. Um but the dude is exciting. The dude has knockout power, he's fast, he's a great mix mixed martial artist. Um and he's fighting a guy in uh Christoph uh who's no slouch, no slouch either and uh UFC has a pick has a pick him right now, but I'm gonna have to lean towards my side and I'm gonna go for uh, Uriah on this one. So it's interesting enough, man, looking at um, Uriah Hall's, like, track record. He's been beat by guys who have big names. Uh, Chris Weedman, Kevin Gaslam, 
John Howard, uh, Rafael Natal, um, Gregory Musasi, Derek Brunson, Robert Whitaker. Yeah, man, big, big names. Um, but he's also beaten, you know, Musasi and Ryan Stolle and Thiago Santos and Chris Lieben. Yeah, so he's definitely had some had some good wins. But I, you have to kind of you have to kind of look at him, and if like Uriah Hall does not win this fight, he might as well just kind of write his chances off for another fight in the UFC because, you know, he's he's lost three in a row. I think people are starting to figure him out, and he hasn't changed his game up yet. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, he got uh, the, the, his last two fights have been knocked down in the first round, and that's he, he's got to get that diff. He's got he's got to get that change. He's got to come out a little bit better than that. Uh, which uh, Gegard Mousasi is no is no joke, and Derek Brunson had has some super knockout power. But uh, definitely, I'm excited to see your eye all back in the ring and see what he does. Yeah, it'd be cool, man. Another person that's going to come in here, man, he's going to make his UFC debut is Daniel Spitz. He's just kind of a little unknown, but he's definitely caught my attention for some reason as a heavyweight. I think he's going to be very, uh, very clean. Um, and Anthony Hamilton, man, he's also fighting out of Kent, Washington, United States. He's a 37-year-old man, so, you know, he's kind of long in the tooth. Uh, recently, he's fought uh, Francis Nagano, who was supposed to be fighting at the uh, UFC 215 last week, this last weekend. And then, uh, you know, He's fought uh, Todd Duffy, uh, Ole of uh, Ole Nick, uh, so he's had some, so he's had some pretty good, uh, pretty good wins or pretty good fights. Uh, so Anthony Hamilton, we'll see what he can do, but I'm definitely gonna, I'm, I'm gonna call it out right now, man. Daniel Spitz is gonna come out and win this fight. Yeah, definitely. I'm, like, I'm, I'm gonna go the same with you, and I think Daniel Spitz is gonna get that fight. The, uh, the other fight that I kind of want to talk about is the, uh, is Hector Lombard. Hector Lombard is uh, fighting Anthony Smith, and uh, and Hector Hector Lombard hasn't won in the UFC since he uh, beat Jake Shields in 2014. I think he's got to get a win on on this fight card, or he's going to be probably get cut out of the UFC too. Yeah, I definitely see that. I, I definitely have to agree with you on that one, man. Hector Lombard. He hasn't won, like you said, against Jake uh, since he won against Jake Shields. That ultimately caught that that guy Jake Shields cut too. Jake Shields got cut from UFC after that loss, and it's definitely interesting to see that uh, Hector is having this kind of issues where man, he's not he's not coming in and out of his punches, his strikings. He's kind of backed up. You know, he comes in he comes in too late. Sometimes his timing is just not on the right part. So it's definitely. Um, he definitely needs to get his stuff together, man. If he does if he doesn't, man, he's gonna get cut. He's gonna get cut as well. Yeah, definitely. Him and uh, him and Anthony Smith both. They 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 both have a uh, a lot of fights under them. I mean, Hector, Hector Lombard is thirty four and seven and one, and Anthony Smith is twenty seven and twelve. This is professional fights. These aren't even amateur fights at all. No, they're not. And it's they need to he needs to figure it out, man. He really, really, really needs to figure it out. And if he's not, he's gonna he's gonna get punished, man. He's definitely gonna feel it for for a long, long time. And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that Hector can come out and win this fight. You know, his uh, slugging percentage is definitely not on, on point where it used to be. So if he, he ends up getting caught, man, that's going to be kind of all she wrote. So yep, let's definitely. Go ahead. You there, Cliff? Cliff, you there?
So what, what do we have next, Beth? What do we have on uh, tap now? Anthony, you there? Yep, I'm here with you. All right, man. So you got you got a response, man, for the Triple G fight, Triple G Canelo fight? Yeah, I do. Um, that is going to be an exciting fight. You got uh, Canelo, who is 41 and one, or 49, one and one. Uh, his only loss was to Floyd in September 2013. But for that, his uh, he had a draw versus George Juarez uh, in June of 2006. And you got Triple G, who's undefeated. Both these guys have knockout power. Uh, Canelo has 34 KOs, and uh, Triple G has 33. It's going to be a really interesting fight. I think it's going to be way more exciting than what we just seen with Connor and Floyd. And I think that, uh, I don't know, but I am going to say that uh, there might be a knockout before the eighth round. What do you think, Cliff? Can you hear me, Cliff? Yeah, can you hear me? I, I I got you I got you now. You uh you you dropped out real quick. Do you get now? Hold on a second. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Are you are you able are you are you hearing me clear and cut? All right, sorry that we had technical difficulties, and now we are back. So, Anthony, as you were saying with the Triple G fight, how do you feel about that? I think it's going to be an interesting fight. I think that uh, both these guys have knockout power. I mean, Canelo has 34 knockouts. Uh, Triple G has 33. It's going to be really close. I think they're going to be a knockout right before the eighth round, and I think that Canelo is going to get that W. So it's funny that you mentioned that, man, because I know we've been talking about this kind of all 
all week about who we have winning this fight, man, just like you and I off off topic, off air. And I, I have to go the other way, man. I like Triple G. I think Triple J, he's a great power uh, fighter, but he's also a great counter. So, you know, Canelo is the kind of guy that likes to be bullish and kind of get into his his rhythm and try to fight. And, can, and Triple G is a guy who loves the counter, and he loves the counter often. And he'll even pull you into his fight to counter your punch. So um, it'll definitely be interesting to see, man. I'm definitely going to have to lean on the other side, though, and just say, hey, man, like, I think Triple G is going to get this win, and I think he gets a knockout, too. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting to see. I think uh, I think that Canelo is going to be the, his toughest fight. And as you, uh, Canelo, I think has had some tougher fights, but uh, Triple G is no slouch. Uh, Canelo has has one loss uh, to uh, to uh, to Floyd. Uh, I mean, you, if you watch that fight back in 2013, uh, Canelo looked decent. He 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 didn't look like he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he was. He looked mature in that fight, and he only matured better. Uh, his fight against Amir Khan, I think that uh, Amir Khan and uh, and Triple G, that would be a great fight to see. And uh, but uh, I think that that uh, that Canelo is gonna outclass him in this fight. Well, the one thing about it too, and we gotta talk about this on a side note, right? So with with the whole Floyd Mayweather. Canelo fight, that was a young Canelo. Like, Canelo wasn't the same Canelo that he is now. Like, more experienced, more brute. I think if uh, if Floyd Mayweather and Canelo were to, to get, in a, uh, get in the ring again, I think Canelo comes out with the victory in this one. He ultimately does he does damage Floyd, especially the way after Floyd looked against uh, um, against Conor in his last boxing fight. Uh, and so I definitely have to lean on the other side, man. I think, and, and, you know, Canelo is definitely a great knockout artist. Amir Khan jumped up, I think, like three or four weight classes to fight him just so he could give it to the fans. He lost. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting because Triple G is not is not Amir Khan. He's not jumping up a weight class. He's fighting Canelo at his weight class. And, you know, Canelo has to be ready for it, man. And I think Canelo, who is an, an amazing boxer, man, that Mexican-style boxing, though, where you're going to get tagged three or four times before you throw your one punch, that's not going to work with, with Triple G. Triple G is ready. He's going to be pretty low-key. He's going to wait. You're going to come in, throw three or four punches, miss. He's going to connect with his one, and you're you're going to get you're going to get hurt. <laughs> you're going to get hurt. And, uh, you know, I know Oscar Del Hoy has been talking about this fight for a long time. He's excited about this fight. It's going to be a huge, mo- huge money fight, at least. We hope it's going to be a huge money fight because I definitely see this being a lot better than what uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor fight was. Yep, definitely agree with you there. Hope it's gonna be more exciting, and I think uh, I think there's gonna be a lot more more hands thrown. I think there's gonna be a lot more uh, punches landed. It's gonna be a really really good fight. Yeah, no doubt, man. I have to definitely agree with you on that. You know, the funny part is too, man, is that um, we're we're looking at this fight and we're like, man, this is gonna be amazing. And on this fight card, as an underneath fight, man. Oscar's cousin is fighting on this fight card. So Oscar De La Hoya's cousin, uh, Diego De La Hoya, is going to be fighting. He's fighting uh, Randy Caballero. It'll definitely be a good good fight to watch, too. I mean, you know, uh, Diego is, is an up-and-comer man, so it'll definitely be fun to see that Oscar's uh, baby cousin is going to be on this fight card fighting as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll see how that goes. So... As far as all these other fights that are coming up, man, 
Uh, you know, we do have some bigger fights coming up with UFC 217 coming up. There's more boxing going on. Uh, Anthony and I were having fun just this last two weeks, just going back and watching uh, the craziest knockouts we've ever seen. You know, it's definitely been interesting to watch. But uh, tonight, man, we want to kind of keep it kind of short, but we were letting you guys know about some of these upcoming fights. And next week, we're going to definitely be talking about the outcome of this UFC, uh, besides the UFC event. Well, that's on the 22nd, uh, the boxing matchup. So Triple G's uh, fight, we'll definitely talk about the reviews for that. And then we're going to get into, uh, you know, we'll get into some of the future fights and we're going to get more in detail with all those fights, especially as uh, UFC 217 and UFC 218 and 219 possibly start coming up. And uh, start getting wrapped up. I know we, I know 216 is right around the corner, but you know, as long as uh, as long as we find out whether uh, Borg is on that fight card or not, it'll be interesting to see. So we'll we'll find out uh, later this week whether it'll be Borg and uh, Demetrius Johnson at 216. Uh, as for that man, guys, this is what we want to talk about now. We want to bring across, as always, uh, suicide awareness. Man, it's just something that's big and dear to us. You know, uh, Anthony's got his his. Uh, his uh, charities that he he supports. Of course, I've got mine, uh, Team 22, Mission 22, and, uh, you know, just like Anthony with the Wounded Warrior Project, as well as uh, I Got Your Six, we're definitely huge, huge advocates of those. And we definitely want to give big shout-outs to you guys uh, just for listening to us and even going out there and talking to us uh, and even coming and talking to us on the blog, man. We've definitely been supportive, and we definitely love hearing from you guys. It's definitely huge. We're definitely uh, big fans of you guys just as much as you guys are big fans of us. So we just want to go out and say thank you uh, for the support. And if you guys want, man, you guys can catch me on Snapchat, uh, Twitter, or even on uh, uh, Instagram at cm underscore miller85. Anthony, why don't you give them the details about what you think about? Yep, definitely. I like what said uh, that we do support many veteran organizations. I, I myself support uh, Mission 22, and I got your six just like uh, – Cliff, he all, just like Cliff, I also do support Wounded Warrior. I support the USO, the USOs. I support Puppies Behind Bars and uh, Soldiers Angels. Um, these are big groups that are really close to our hearts. Um, with Cliff and I both being veterans, we uh, absolutely uh, open up our phones, not just to veterans, but to anybody. If you need ever, ever need to talk, if you're having problems, reach out to us. We'll always answer. We're always going to be there. We both have been through a lot of stuff in our lives, and it's always better to talk it out than to do something crazy. Um, once again, you can always find me on Snapchat or Twitter at a Lujan1985, or you can get me on Instagram at AnthonyLujan1985. Those are my details. Follow me, and I'll follow you. Um, again, I'm going to put this out there one more time, and uh, Put that. I'm going to put that uh, Lincoln Love out there, and I'm going to get that. Uh, I want everybody that listens to this podcast uh, to come on out on September 22nd. It's a Friday, 9 p.m., 501 Bar. You got Trexler. They're going to be doing some rock and roll. Really, really good band. And with that, guys, we just want to say have a good night and good fight.